Welcome to Just a Cup on Believe. I'm Coach Brian Fetzer. This is an organic conversation with the world's greatest athletes and the coaches who coach them, just as if we were in a coffee shop having a cup of joe. Today, my extreme pleasure is to have with me Joey McKenna, a freestyle wrestler from the U.S. He is a two-time Pan American Continental Champion, a U.S. Under-23 World Medalist, three-time uh, NCAA All-American wrestling from ASICS. Joey, I am fired up to have you on. And you're a wrestler, not a wrestler in the terms of, you know, WWE. Like actually like grappling, one of the oldest sports known to man. So I'm glad yeah. to get you, get you on here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Uh, it's funny. I, I even still say, yeah, just doing a little wrestling. You know, throwing throwing a little twang in there and just keep us honest. But yeah, no, I am a freestyle wrestler, uh, the true sport that the Greeks and Romans used to do back in the day, the Olympic sport, not the WWE entertainment stuff, although it is entertaining and they're starting to tap into the pure wrestler market. Uh, it's fun to see some guys make that transition and, you know, take just our amateur sport as it's always right. been and really monetize it with the WWE and the following that they have. Well, I mean, I mean, as a, as a wrestler, I mean, I know Kurt Angle, obviously phenomenal wrestler in his own right. Um, and Brock Lesnar, they're probably, I would say the two most well-known, you know, Olympic style wrestlers that, you know, transitioned in and became, you know, mega stars in WWE. Uh, it, as as a true you know freestyle wrestler, do you take offense to that, or is it kind of like it kind of exciting to see a brethren you know kind of climb the charts and become a, a megastar? Yeah, no, I wouldn't say I take offense to it. And to be candid and honest, I actually even as a kid, I didn't get into the sport of wrestling because I watched the WWE. Some people <laughs> see it on TV, they're like man, I saw someone hitting somebody with a chair and I wanted to go to wrestling practice. That wasn't my entry to the sport. Um, but, you know, you got to give credit to where credit's due. Those guys, I mean, Kurt Angle, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, those guys just were phenomenal wrestlers in their own right and then kind of found their path into WWE, um, got into the entertainment side, had a personality that the WWE could run with. And even now we have a current wrestler, 2020 Olympic champion, Gable Steveson, who wrestled at the University of Minnesota. Um, he's been dabbling in the WWE, and he's definitely a true entertainer. And it's fun to see guys like that, especially around my age now in my era of the sport, making that transition as it gets bigger, as NIL becomes a presence, right? right. These college athletes right. are able to dabble into that now. Um, and then even just giving guys career options beyond just the Olympic sport in right. the sport of wrestling, you know, mainly coaching would probably be the next step from what we do. Uh, some people go into business and things like that, but the fact that the WWE still has a growing presence and people still love it, watch it. They have a way to make money in the sport. If, they're a big jacked up dude and they got, you know, a, a personality that people can rally behind and um, just run with it. It's funny, though, because the, the sport of wrestling, the Olympic sport definitely is more 
humble means, kind of just that humility is ingrained into the sport since you're a little kid. And it's just interesting to see as MMA continues to grow, as the WWE grows, the difference in that. And even as as wrestlers, we talk about like, man, would would trash talk maybe be something that gets people more excited about the sport of wrestling, right? These guys in MMA are always trash talking. Oh, They're calling each other <laughs> out, right? Twitter, all this stuff, just creating beef and kind of running with a storyline that people like to get behind, rally behind. Um, and we always talk about, but I think it's unique to the sport of wrestling, the, the humility aspect, because we know we have a lot of respect for each other as opponents. We know how hard we work, how much discipline and sacrifice it takes to get to the level we're at and to be successful in the sport that it, it is fun to protect that element that we still have in the Olympic sport of wrestling. Now you're talking about, you know, getting more support, getting more fans, getting more crowds. What are some things that, that wrestling is starting to do to kind of kind of launch into that, that next stratosphere of, of entertainment, but then because you don't have a professional league for, for Olympic wrestlers, most of you are, you know, training with a college or training with a, a regional team. You know, how how can there become more exposure? Is there ideas out there for that? Yeah, this is I mean, that that question in itself is something that wrestlers are always talking about um, because we I'm a professional athlete. Right. I don't make the salary that an MLB player does, NBA player, NFL player. Um, I mean, golfers. Right. They're right. Man, if I were if I were to go back and choose a sport, I'd probably choose golf, <laughs> although my swing's not very good. Um, but I would say wrestling is most popular within the United States amongst college athletics Mm -hmm. because of the NCAA. I think a lot of it too has the team aspect. Um, wrestling is an individual sport, but at the NCAAs, there is a team title given Mm -hmm. Penn state has won, you know, 10 of the last 11, 11 of the last 12. They've been running a dynasty for a while now with coach Kale Sanderson Um, But people and alumni of those schools really rally behind those schools. So what's difficult for us as senior level athletes is we don't necessarily have a team. We don't have that same lineage unless you stay and train at the college that you attended um, that, you know, you, you continually get that support. We also don't compete as frequently when you're in the NCAA, you have a season But for us, the season is pretty much all year round. The world championships are always in September or October. The Olympics will be in August. And there's a little downtime at the end of the year. But then international competitions come up. We don't compete domestically very frequently. So it's hard for fans to really come out and support. They're mainly watching streams online to really see us. Um, But one thing... I think that really is helping the sport is the presence of these regional training centers that you talked about. They're also known as RTCs. And essentially what they are are nonprofit organizations that are housed with college teams. And so I'm a postgraduate. I train at the Pennsylvania Regional Training Center alongside the UPenn and Drexel programs because they're Mm. literally a block apart. Right. Absolutely. We're one of the only RTCs that gets to tap into two different colleges 
in terms of training partners. It gives us more training partners, but also different resources. Um, and it works out for us because they are so close. Some other teams have tried that. But I think that really gets people rally behind us, you know, alumni of new universities, because we're in there every day with the college guys. We've been through what they're currently doing. So we're acting as mentors and role models, coaches, you know, an extra set of eyes, being coaches as well, and really pouring into this next generation of wrestlers as we pursue our Olympic, our Olympic goals. Um, you, you, as you say, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the traveling and competing internationally. You just got back from Croatia competing in Zagreb. Um, how, how is that as, as a, as a athlete, you know, traveling globally to compete? Um, so I, I want to ask you that, but then I also want you to think about what's your favorite place you've ever got to compete in, you know, globally. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I love, I, I got to compete overseas for the first time in 2012. So about 12 years ago, I was 17 years old. I, I made the cadet, the cadet world team. And I went over to Baku, Azerbaijan to represent the United States. And that was my first ever, you know, out of country wrestling experience. I was in Baku, Azerbaijan, out in the Middle East. You know, I didn't even know wow. this place existed. Um, but it just gave me a lot of pride to be able to put that USA on my chest and represent my country in what I loved and what I did. And, you know, I'm just grateful for the sport. One of the coolest parts about my job is that I do get to travel the world. I, I always coin myself as Joey Worldwide because, you know, I'm going to some of these remote places, you know, places that you wouldn't just go on vacation. And right. kind of to, to that point, is not one of those places. Yeah, but wrestling internationally is a lot bigger than it is here in the United States. And that's what makes it really fun is, you know, when I go over to an international competition, I come back with, a few hundred, a few thousand new followers, right? Because these people love the sport of wrestling. They follow it. Iran is, you know, they, wrestling is their national sport. I've even met, met people, met students here on the Penn and Drexel campuses that are from Iran. And when we say that we're wrestlers, they start naming off all the Iranian greats, right? Wow. So they just know it. In Russia, right? Russia, it's a, it's a huge part of their culture. A lot of people grow up doing it. Um, and so a lot of people know the sport. So when we go over there, we get that true international recognition. And I would say even I, I definitely feel more like a professional athlete when I'm in those places because, you know, people have seen video, seen stuff, right. seen my face, more seen pictures. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's plenty of times where, you know, I was in Taraz, Kazakhstan in November. And, you know, one of my favorite places, not the favorite, but. Okay. Kazakhstan's a pretty a, cool place. Yeah, yeah. But just a remote part of the country. I'm the first American that some of these people have ever seen in their lives. Wow. So it really opens my eyes and just gives me perspective, too, on, I mean, how blessed we are to live in America and do what we do, but that I get to do what I love every single day and travel the world and be a light for these people and, you know, be what they think of when they see an American, not just Tom Cruise 
<laughs> on TV, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, but it's just, it's a lot of pride and honor um, to represent the United States, to be able to travel and to be able to create relationships too. I've made friends in a lot of these places. I went to Kazakhstan in 2022 for the first time. And I met a family there that just such nice people and had a, had me over for dinner, lent me their French press so I could make coffee in my hotel room um, and just went above and beyond to make sure that we were comfortable. And then right. this year when I went back, they were the first people I reached out to and was like, hey, I want to make sure that I get to spend time with you guys while I'm out here and just be a blessing to their family as well. I mean, they blessed us on our trip and they helped us. Sometimes they even had to escort us out of the venue because we were just being bombarded <laughs> with people and little kids being the right. sole Americans at the competition. Um, but it it's a great feeling. I love going over there and putting it on the line, wrestle some of the world's best and um, do what I love in the process. Well, but I mean, to answer I, I, your question, well, yeah, uh, I was going to say, what 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 is what is the favorite place you've been to? My favorite place is uh, Kresnyarsk, Siberia, in Russia. So it's a twelve-hour time change from the eastern <laughs> Eastern Standard Time, right? right? So you're literally on the opposite side of the world. It's a super long travel to get there, but I would say just scenery culturally, it's just so different. I mean. There's permafrost on the ground. It's in the negative degrees. You're I've definitely watched cold. YouTubes about that for sure. You know, where the coldest yeah, I mean, places in the world, it's Siberia, always Siberia. Yep. Russia used to send the, the prisoners of war out there and torture them there. Right. So it's it's a place that nobody would really venture on their own, but yet they hold one of the toughest wrestling competitions in the world. Wow. Com even potentially tougher than the world championships or the Olympics because of the amount of Russians that wrestle in it. Mm -hmm. Russia is known as sense. a country to be sense. one of the best in the world. And they have five guys that could probably go out there and win a world or Olympic title at a specific weight class, but only one can go. And so you go into a tournament with 30 different Russians and the fan, the, st the stands are packed. There's fans, they're cheering on. They got, everything going for this tournament. And uh, I would say that was my favorite place that I've ever been. I wrestled there in 2020 prior to COVID hitting. And then I also wrestled there in 2022 prior to all the war and the, the political stuff that we were seeing now. The competition is actually being held currently uh, in Kresnyarsk and I will say I was I, I was trying to find a way to go, but you know I I, I erred on the side of being safe and just making sure right. like, logistically would have been a lot to get to that that won't turn me away from trying to make it to a certain place, but um, it's just a different experience. And again, the the perspective I get there when I go is is just incredible. When I was there in 2022. Team USA was sending a delegation, but I decided to fly out a week before everybody. And there was a Russian wrestler in my weight class that I wrestled at the U23 World Championships and just created a relationship with like through Instagram, right? Through social media. And I had asked him if I could come out and train before the competition. He willingly accepted. 
and he actually put me up in his apartment. When we, when I got to his apartment, he gave up his bed. He slept on the couch. He put me in his bed, allowed me to sleep there, and just took care of me for the entire week before Team USA got there. What's, and I it, moved what's to his a name? Because I mean, that that's an impressive thing. I mean, he needs a shout out for that for sure. Yeah, his name's Nachin Kular. Um, he actually beat me at the World Championships in 2023. Um, but you know, I just want to want to wrestle those guys. I want to get That's better. Awesome. But then one of the most encouraging things for me was just seeing how hospitable he was. Right, I was a guest, and he was my host. And they take that role very seriously internationally, just within their culture. Being right. a host to someone when you have a guest in town, you kind of drop everything you're doing, and you make sure that you do that. You show them a good experience. And he definitely showed me what a true Russian Siberian experience looked like. Brought me over to awesome. his team's apartment. You know, we were, I had Baden, which is Ram. I had Ram's meat, you know, just eating things that I never oh. would have, that I never really choose to eat. But sure. at the same time, you know, I want to experience their, their culture, their lifestyle, and be able to cross those, those cultural barriers that people just kind of hold up. I like sure. to consider myself uh, culturally sensitive, especially when I travel all over the world. You know, when in what? Kazakhstan, you, you might eat horse meat, but <laughs> wouldn't yes. be something I'm going to order. But at the same <laughs> time, I'm going to dive into the Kazakhstani culture and experience, you know, what they're known for. That's amazing. Hey, you are listening to Just a Cup on Believe. If you've enjoyed the episode so far, please subscribe like comment share and share again it's how we continue to reach more and more listeners worldwide we've got at least 30 countries right now that people are tuning in from so remember every team every topic everywhere this is believe and it can be found on apple and spotify podcasts as well as on believe.com i have u.s freestyle wrestler joey mckenna with me and we are we just got done talking about a bunch of international uh opportunities and you know, going places. And I saw you've been in Bidosk, Poland, which I never thought I'd ever go there once, let alone several times for international competitions. Um, getting the experience, you know, things outside the United States, but you really got to bring things back to where you're from and where, where you're, you're home. And you're involved in nonprofits and different, different aspects of life outside of wrestling specific and we we're talking about Beat the Streets, the nonprofit that it's a kind of a wrestling, you know, based nonprofit, you know, in Philadelphia. It sounded so incredible that you're you're kind of exposing individuals to the sport of wrestling that might not otherwise get that opportunity. I'd love to talk about that a little bit and just learn more about Beat the Streets. Yeah. Beat the Streets is an incredible organization. When I was in when I was a middle school and high school athlete. I actually went to uh, one of the first chapters was Beat the Streets New York. Um, so they really started a presence in New York City to help get kids off the streets from low-income families, um, just kids that wouldn't otherwise have this opportunity or go out for the sport of wrestling. And they wanted to use wrestling because of all the values that it teaches you, the different characteristics that you are just ingrained through the sport, like grit resilience, uh, discipline, sacrifice, just perseverance, tenacity, 
just a lot of different qualities that you have to really embody as you go through the sport of wrestling to help show these kids that and give them positive mentors and role models to potentially get them off the streets and help alter life's trajectory for them. Show them that they can be the first college student in their family and go graduate and go create a life that they never really experienced before. And well, what's, what's the biggest thing you've learned in wrestling? I mean, it just, you just mentioned like things that you, you teach. Well, what's the specifically the biggest thing that, that Joey's learned in wrestling? I would say just the ability to have a growth mindset and to know that failing and losing, right, is part of the process of progress forward in anything that you're doing, right? A lot of people can get beat up over losses they may take or just hardship, trials, different different things, just adversity in general. And it's just given me a controlled space to have to overcome those things so that when I'm not in a controlled space, right? I've, I've kind of rehearsed and practiced these situations. I've been uncomfortable where I have to persevere through, be resilient, be able to bounce back and look at these things as a learning and growing opportunity, right? It's not just, you know, I lost, dang. It's like, I lost, but what are, what are the positives? How can I get better? What are some glaring things that I may need to change? And so I'm just always approaching and looking at things with a growth mindset, just from the sport. Um, I like to say, you know, I'm hard on self, but not down on self. And so it's something that just keeps me going. It's like, all right, when things don't go well, I don't need to be down on myself about I'm, I'm going to be hard on myself, right? Because I hold myself to a certain standard and I want to get better, right? So I want to continue to grow. But when you get down on self, right, you can throw yourself that pity party and really just kind of bathe and sulk in that. But that's not really how we move forward. Um, so I'd say that's one of the biggest things that wrestling has helped instill and ingrain in me that I take to all aspects of my life. And I really try to preach to some of these kids. And, and I see it daily with these kids in Beat the Streets. You know, there's... Mm. There's athletes within there's student athletes within this program that are in a single mother home and they have three other siblings. Mom's got to go to work early in the morning. And so they're feeding their three other siblings. They're getting them off to school before they even bring themselves to school. Um, there was a student that, you know, he had a lot of he had really good marks and really great grades, but he had a lot of tardiness and when the principal finally sat him down to find out, you know, he, he was almost not going to graduate because of how many tardies he had to school. But when they finally found the root problem, it was, well, why are you late? Well, it's because of all these other things. These, he's taking care of his three siblings, getting them off to school, feeding them before he even can bring himself to school. And just to hear some of those stories is just, Again, that just gives me perspective and just shows like, you know, I grew up with two parents, with two sisters and in a great home, went through great schooling. And I'm very grateful for that. But that's not the reality of everybody in this world. And to see that firsthand, to be able to be a positive role model, offer whatever kind of advice and experience that I've gained throughout the years to really help them is is worth it. 
we have these beat the streets events and galas where we get to hear some of the stories of these student athletes and they're just incredible. They, they give you chills immediately. If somebody wants to find out more about beat the streets, how, how can they go about finding out that if they want to support it or, or somehow be a part of it? Yeah, there's beatthestreetsnational.org, which is the national organization, but there's a lot of local chapters placed throughout a bunch of different major cities, New York City, Philly, Los Angeles, Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, um, the list goes on. And right now they're in a big fundraising campaign through 2028 with the Olympics being in LA. Oh, um, yeah. they, have, they have a goal right now. They have 13 chapters. And their goal is to get 28 chapters by 2028. Um, and so they're really trying to bring it under that big umbrella, strategize, share the best practices, right, of the chapters that are thriving, doing well, and maybe some of the others, getting the people in place to really help this organization continue to grow. But when I graduated college in 2019, I was looking at different regional training centers of where I could train right. in pursuit of my Olympic goals. And I went to Stanford for two years, transferred to Ohio Deferred. State. I have, to give, I have to give a little, little, little smash to Stanford having coached a count. Yeah. It's, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. But when I was looking at RTCs, I was really looking for, you know, of course, where, where can I achieve my goal? Right. Where can I get better right. at the sport? Where can I go be an Olympic champion? But also, where can I continue to grow as a leader, as a man, as a friend, as a son, and just a holistic place where I could grow? And when I looked at the Pennsylvania Regional Training Center, I learned that not only were they part of one college program, but two. Uh, my sister was also a graduate of, graduate of Drexel, so shout out to the Dragons. My best friend went to Penn. So I did spend a lot of time in Philly throughout right. my college career, but the other thing that really stood out to me was their involvement with the local chapter of beat the streets, Philly mm -hmm. and how the RTC athletes were mentors within the program. We're doing clinics. We're helping, you know, facilitate the creation of resources for coaches that are taking over beat the streets programs. And it was more that we call it the Philly wrestling ecosystem because it's the mm -hmm. PRTC, the professional sports team, then you have the two college programs in Penn and Drexel. And then you have the high school and middle school program within Beat the Streets. And it really has this trickle-down effect from the top, right? We pour into the college athletes. We're pouring into Beat the Streets. The college athletes are mentors in the program. That I was also going to be impacting the community of Philadelphia. I wasn't just coming here to be solely focused on Joey McKenna and achieving his goals. But I was pouring into the next generation of NCAA Division I athletes, but also these middle school and high school kids that may be the first ones to ever go to college in their family. And so that was a big draw for me to use the sport of wrestling to not only achieve my own goals, but really to be an impact, to be a light for others and to help show them that really like through this sport, anything is possible. Wrestling has been a vehicle that has taken me all over the country, all over the world, you know, from being a Jersey boy, moving out to California, <laughs> then to the Midwest, and now getting to go to places like Kresnyars 
Kazakhstan, Egypt, Bulgaria, like you name it. You know, I, I was just looking, I've been to 29 different countries throughout the world and I haven't even sniffed 15% of it. Um, but it's given me, <laughs> it's true. but it's given me all these opportunities and it's opened my eyes, just given me, just have helped me mature, help me mature and grow into the man that I want to be the leader. I want to be the wrestler, um, just all aspects of my life. So the involvement with beat the streets and being able to impact more than just myself, but the people around me and have this true holistic approach right. was a big draw for me to come to Philadelphia. When, when you talk about, you know, getting molded as, as an athlete, you know, I mean, have myself coached for 23 years and you go think you had an opportunity. You wrestled in high school at Blair Academy for an absolute legend of a coach and, and coach Buxton. And, you know, then you go to Stanford and then you go on Ohio state and now you're, you know, in the, in the Penn community, you know, what is some things that coaches or what impressions have some of the coaches you've been around, you know, left with you? And obviously that's, they're, they're probably four completely different people. You know, has there been something special that each one has kind of bled into your life or, you know, something that kind of strikes you? Yeah, all, all in all in their own ways. Um, I would say one thing, and I got to give a shout out to my mom for this, but you know, she always she kind of ran my wrestling schedule when I was a when I was a young kid. Dad was at work; he was bringing home the bacon, and uh, mom was a stay at home mom, and so she was taking care of myself and my my older sister, my younger sister, and she sought out coaches that were going to be great for me. So when I was a youngster, shout out to moms I, everywhere, man. Oh yeah. Shout out to moms. And, um, she brought me to different foreign wrestling coaches when I was hmm. a, a, a youth wrestler. And so I started really focusing on technique and being savvy in the sport. Um, when you're a kid, a, toughness can really go a long way, especially strength, right? Not everybody's fully matured yet. But my mom found me great coaches that were just preaching the right things, allowed me to have a curious mind. I remember one of my young coaches was always like, hey, when I'm showing technique, you got to be asking questions. You got to be looking at what I'm doing and what I'm not saying and really start to ask those little questions so you can understand in your own mind. Um, so that was one thing that really sparked my curiosity as a wrestler. I've always been a guy that's asking questions and always look to be coachable. I really liked having a relationship with my coach. And I think as I got to high school with Coach Buxton, that's what I really learned. I started training at Blair Academy when I was in sixth grade. And so wow. I started, <laughs> yeah. So I started training there young before, and I almost did four years at Blair before I even went to Blair. So I almost <laughs> felt like I had Coach Buxton as a coach for that long. And I was really able to create a deep, meaningful relationship that mm. I even still have with him today. He coaches at the RTC right here in at Rutgers, which is about an hour away. I still spend time going to work with him. I still consider him one of my personal coaches, mm. even though he's not my everyday coach, because he's just taught me so much about the technical aspect of the sport, but also just what it means to really have a deep, meaningful relationship with your coach and how far and long of a way that that can take you within the sport. 
So he's someone that I still go bounce ideas off. When I went out to Stanford, you know, j- these guys were really doing whatever it took for me to, ha- to help me achieve my goals. Um, I had a coach there, Jamil Kelly. He was an Olympic silver medalist in 2000. And he just helped really push me and show me early on in my college career, hey, what is it? I, I had success, but what is it going to take to really bust through and be dominant, be that guy? And so he really started opening my eyes to that. And again, another guy that I continually talk to, I text all the time. We're always talking about wrestling and still have a great relationship with. Moved on to Ohio State where I had a slew of good coaches with Coach Tom Ryan, um, was really super influential. And I would say at my time at Ohio State, what the coaches really helped me with was growing in my faith. Um, that's one area of my life that I really started exploring in that transfer. And I was really seeking, um, what does this look like? What, what is this emptiness inside and how do I fill that void? And, um, I really started, I, you know, I really started my faith walk when I was at Ohio state and they were very instrumental in that helped me get over a lot of the performance anxiety humps. Another shout out Mm. to Tervel Delagnev who was a coach there now coaches at Nebraska, but he really helped me get over that. Just posing different hypotheticals, giving me scenarios to work through in my own mind that um, have really impacted the way my my mentality and my mindset and approach towards the sport now. Um, And then really good technical coaches in, I, I was the weight class 141 pounds There was a two-time NCAA champ, Jay Jaggers, was my assistant coach. And then Logan Stieber, who was a four-time NCAA champion, one of the few that have ever done it in the sport of wrestling. And so those were my everyday guys. I was training with Logan. Jay was in there with, with guidance, wisdom, insight, just eyes on the whole time. And so that, I would say, more so not only the coaching staff, but just a a true team culture like we had in high school. In high school at Blair, we were national champs three of my four years. So we, I felt like we were in a college program while in high school. And then when I went back to Ohio State, I was teammates with NCAA champs, Olympic champions, and Kyle Snyder, a great friend of mine, um, who we also have a business and we run a summer camp, Snyder Wrestling Series, this upcoming summer. Ran it last year at Messiah University, but another great opportunity for young wrestlers to really just find that experience, that that wisdom that's been gained throughout the years, that's been under a lot of coaches to mm-hmm. properly train. You know, there's a lot of different uh, approaches to the sport of wrestling, and I feel like with all our experience, both of us being 28 years old now, that we've seen a lot of ways and that we can help the next generation train properly with that long-term insight. You know, it's not just about being the youth state champion, but longevity within the sport, (laughs) earning yourself a scholarship, having the opportunity to wrestle at the next level, whatever that is for each individual, and just help him provide that opportunity. Um, but that's where we had a collective team with mm. the same mindset. I, it was, it was interesting. I 
was transferring from Stanford. I went to Ohio State, and we had biweekly meetings with a guy by the name of Chet Scott for a company called Built to Lead that really he just preached, you know, you can't lead anybody else until you can lead yourself. So he'd just Mm. ask us tough questions and really have us write, write for ourselves because, you know, yeah, somebody can write something, you can read it. But when you have to, when you're forced to write yourself, you really have to internalize it, put it in your own words, paraphrase it and see, well, am I understanding what, what I'm reading or what's being said? Am I internalizing it the same way that I'm thinking about it? And so it really just forced us. And we had a lot of team cohesion and we had a lot of accountability on that team, giving us that space to talk about leadership, talk about Hmm. who we are, who we want to be, you know, gave the freedom for other individuals on the team to call you out and be like, Hey, are you living the way you say you want to live? And are you doing what you need to do to achieve the goals you set out to do? Right. It's easy to write down our goals every day. Yes. If you're not living in accordance with that, you know, like, right. You can hold yourself accountable, but inviting others in on it really definitely makes it a more productive uh, process and and habit of chasing those goals down. Even me, like now, one thing I do, I, I write down my goals in the morning. I write them down at night because I want that reminder every day when I wake up. All right. Hey, this is, these are my goals. And right. what's what's my day going to look like with those goals in mind? And then check on them again at, at the night and just be like, all right, how did I do today in working towards those goals? That's awesome, man. That's, that's, some, that's some, some major nuggets of knowledge that you're throwing out there with things. You know, I, I, I want to, I mean, you've got the, the wisdom's pretty amazing. And, and I think hope, and I hope that a lot of individuals listening will kind of take that the accountability to, to, to task and also the, the compassion you have for others is, is, is pretty amazing. You know, being involved in nonprofits is a, is a great thing. Yeah. Sure. Well, so I want to jump in there and just talk about the last coach that I currently have now. Um, yeah. And in choosing the PRTC, my coach is Brandon Slay. He was a 2000 Olympic yeah. champion in Sydney. So he probably has one of the best wins ever over a wrestling legend, Satiev. <laughs> and he beat Absolutely. him in that. Um, but one thing that I knew also when I chose to come to the PRTC, I talked about the ecosystem and the holistic growth and the approach and the wrestling pieces of the two college programs beat the streets was a big part of it. But another big part of it was coach Slay and his leadership and mentorship. I knew that when I had experience with coach Slay from 2014, I made the junior world team. He was the Team USA developmental coach, so he was coaching the younger age groups. So I had some experience with him there. And when I was looking for a place to train beyond, I wanted not only just a wrestling coach, but I wanted a leader, someone that was going to care about me outside the room and about my development as a person, as a Christian, as a man. You know, he's a husband and a father of four kids you know, as a son, as a brother, as a teammate. And I wanted someone that was going to pour into me, not only just on the wrestling mat, but really check in and be a part of my life, be a mentor and a role model for me. He was a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, had some experience commercial real estate, 
right? But then hop back into coaching to be a leader of men. And when I chose the PRTC, we have these four core values that we really internalize and live by. We have core value number one, faith over fear, right? Faith in your coaches, faith in yourself. You know, fear is going to come in, but we got our, our faith in whatever it is. And for me, it's God. It's got to be greater than any fear that comes in. Our second That's is awesome. full effort. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it with full effort, right? We're going to put everything into this. We're not going to go in half-heartedly, but we're always going to give full effort. Third would be to struggle well. We know that we're going to come mm. across adversity. We know in a wrestling match, it is a struggle, right? But we're going to struggle well through that. But it also goes to life, right? You're, you're in struggles. You're in a hard time hard season. You got to struggle well through that. You got to persevere. You got to keep going. And then the fourth one that just like you were talking about is to serve others, right? Serve others is a core value of ours because we do it within our program with the college athletes with beat the streets, but it's, that's just a, a mentality and a mindset towards life. You know, I'm always looking and how can I help a brother in need? How can I help a sister in need? What can I do to other, what can I do for others to really help them onto a positive trajectory onto, you know, what kind of advice can I offer and, or just a shoulder to lean on, right? How can I serve my community, my family, uh, my team, my teammates, family, you know, how can I serve them <laughs> right. in, in any capacity to just just achieve our purpose and mission at the PRTC to enrich lives locally and globally through the sport of wrestling, right? I, I talked a little bit about how wrestling's been a vehicle to get me to all these different places, but I still approach it the same way now. And I would say, you know, that serve others component is something that sets our RTC apart. And it's something that is just always on the forefront of my mind and whatever I'm doing, what, whatever I'm a part of, whatever group of people I'm with at a certain time. Man, I, I usually end with asking what advice could you give, but you just gave a plethora of, of advice <laughs> for folks that, that would be, it would, I don't think you could top what you just said. Um, but I do want to end on this because it's something a little bit unique, something that uh, I've never seen before. On your Instagram, you have one bite. Now, my wife and I became huge fans of Dave Portnoy's One Bite with Pizza, you know, a couple of years ago. But you have one bite with a donut, which when, you, when, when I think of wrestling and weight loss and all those kind of things, <laughs> I do not associate things with donuts by any stretch about losing weight and stuff. So where did that come about? What did that kind of, how did that happen? Like, I mean, whatever happened with that? Yeah, so I kind of coined a little nickname within the sport when I became an RTC athlete post-college of Joey Bag of Donuts. And, <laughs> you know, I just thought it was super fitting being a Jersey guy, Bag of right, Donuts, right. you know, what do you say? Oh, yeah. Um, I thought back to my youth wrestling days, and we I always wrestled for Team New Jersey teams, and we always wanted to be as Jersey as possible. So all my oh, yeah. teammates would call me Joey Bag of Donuts when we're at competitions. And right. so I ran with it in 2019 when I graduated. And because of that, you know, just with social media and everything, I wanted to keep 
a, a personality, sure. right? Of, of course, course you can do that with posts, but there's always fun little things. And I also love Portnoy's, you know, one bite pizza reviews. We and need so to get him like, to retweet this and repost this. Yeah. Because I mean, come on. I mean, what, what better way? And he is the king of uh, expression of those things. So hopefully we yeah. can get that shout yeah. out by Barstool. Oh, definitely. I'll do a collab post, you know, even Jersey <laughs> Jerry, come on, let's right. go, let's get something going. But yeah, so I, I decided to do just with how much I travel and I actually also have a really big sweet tooth. Um, so I'm like, you know what, um, I'm going to start doing donut reviews. And it's, it's been incredible. I've been able to do them all over the country, all over the world. I did one in Taraz, Kazakhstan, most recently did one in Switzerland, Budapest earlier this year. And it's just uh, something that I think about. I look forward to whenever I go to a new city. I'm I'm looking up best donut shops in the area so I can do some reviews. I got a whole Instagram collection saved of di different donut shops across the country. What's your um, favorites? Give me a couple of your favorite ones. Well, I may come off a little biased, but my favorite is here in Philly, Byler's <laughs> Donuts. They're a okay. Dutch Amish spot, closed on Sundays, so you okay. know it's real. But oh, I like yeah. their their Dutch crumb donuts the best, Ooh. and they got really good filled donuts. The peanut butter chocolate is a is a second favorite of mine. Another favorite in Philly is Federal Donuts. They have a chocolate old fashioned, so a chocolate cake donut with a nice glaze on it. Still, look out for the review on that one, um, and the Bylers. But I'd say of the ones I've reviewed, Rocky Mountain Beignets in Colorado, in Manitou Springs, which I'll probably hit next week when I'm out there for out national Colorado team Springs, camp. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's a different donut, right? It's a beignet. Whenever I do the reviews, I try to stick with a plain glaze. So there's a standard, right? Just like a cheese sure. pizza. You yeah. gotta stay, you gotta stay basic, <laughs> but you also gotta venture into the specialties when a place has a specialty. It's like right. a grandma's slice, you know. Everybody loves themselves a grandma's slice if it's done right. That's awesome. Man, Joey, this has been awesome. This has been really fun. Um, you've got an incredible personality, and, uh, you know, it's just it, your your passion for the sport just oozes out of you, and just the lessons you've learned, awesome. I, I appreciate having you on uh, just a cup and we'll hopefully get you back on here maybe uh, a little bit later as it gets closer to the Olympic time and you make that Olympic team and get to get things rolling for sure. Definitely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I really appreciate it. Hey, well, you uh, hopefully you've liked the podcast, just a cup. You can get it on believe.com, Apple or Spotify. Please subscribe, like, comment, share. It helps us greatly. And for just another one, Joey McKenna, Brian Fetzer, be blessed, my friends.